going to close this by praying the Lord's Prayer over you as Jesus would have prayed it in Hebrew. Abba, Shiba Shemaim, Yitkidashimcha, Tavo Malchutcha Aleinu, Yehi Ritzon Malipanecha, Kiba Shemaim Uvaritz, Tneinu Hayom, Lachmenu Machar, Uslachlanu et Hobotenu, Kisha Slachnu et Haivenu, Altrienu Benisayon, Ela. Hatzilenu min hara, kilacha mamlacha, hagvura, akavod olam la olam. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, the Jabez prayer. Now, if you were at all active spiritually in the 90s, you could not escape the Jabez prayer. It was on keychains. It was on bracelets. It was on Bible book covers. Raise your hand if you've got yourself a tattoo with the Jabez prayer. Anybody? Okay, some people did. It was everywhere. And everybody said, okay, this is our, this is our prayer. This is the thing. This is what it's about. And it's like we've, we've kind of come away from it, sort of a been there, done that kind of routine. I want to take another look at it. As I was meditating on it, and as I was looking at various, um, you know, um, ways people interpreted it, I found that almost nobody got it. They didn't understand it. It's important that we understand what it says, first of all, so I'm going to look at that. There we go. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and you would keep me from harm so that I might not bring, it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Okay. Does that sound familiar to you? First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Now here's where it goes from there. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Let's look at that for a second. Because what it really means is that Jabez achieved more honor than his brothers. Jabez distanced himself from his brothers. He was more honorable than the. He achieved more honor. This is the, 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 the crux of the matter. This, this, this name Jabez sort of comes out of nowhere in the genealogy tables. As somebody to be noted, asterisks, underlined in red, Jabez, he was more honorable than his brothers. He had something that others wished they had. So who is Jabez? Well, Jabez seems to have been a famous ancestor of the tribe of Judah during the time of the Judges. 
We don't know much about it except that it seems to be early in the history of Israel. Some character named Jabez comes along and achieves great things. Interestingly, the rabbis identified Jabez with Othniel. You guys remember him, don't you? Othniel? Remember that? You don't know who Othniel is? It, I thought this was the church where people read their Bibles. You know, the story of Othniel occurs twice in the Bible. In the book of Joshua and in the book of Judges. Here's where it goes. When Caleb offered his daughter as a prize to the man who will capture one of the giant cities, it was Othniel who responded. Remember when the, when the Israelites went into Canaan, or they had the 12 spies at least, went into Canaan, and they came back with these reports, there's giants in the land, right? Remember that? He said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, and so we look like in our own eyes. Now here's the deal. Ten said, we can't handle this. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. But notice, there were no giants in Jericho. There were no giants in, you know, the Gibeonites. What happened to all these giants? The giants didn't live everywhere in Canaan. They only lived in a certain area. And when Joshua took the people in, they avoided the giants' area. And Caleb said, I've been waiting five years, and I want this land. Moses said, I can have any land I want. I want that land where those great grapes are, and I'm taking it. And he went up there, and he took the biggest city of the giants, Kiryat Arba. Then he says, if any of you can take another city, I'm going to give him my daughter Aksa to be a wife. The word Aksa means ankle bracelet. I have a feeling that Aksa was a lot lamaki. That she was just this, you know, girl that was Caleb's, you know, the darling apple of his eye. Raise your hand if you have a daughter. Okay, you know, sometimes they can just do this. My daughter is now 17 years old. She's going, she's in matric. So she's got this thing called a matric farewell. I thought it was a dance. I didn't know that you have to pay a large amount of money for a dress for this thing. So my wife wants to go to this store in Minland where I mean, all those expensive dresses are. I said, no way. I put my foot down on that. There's no way we're going into that store. So while we're looking around in this store, it's clear that, that these, these dresses are very expensive. And I said, okay, there's no way we're going to, to be even talking about these. And so, of course, my daughter fell in love with one that was eight thousand rands. Eight thousand rands. I said, there's absolutely no way we're going to buy that dress. I said, first of all, to my wife, you don't have the money. Where are you, where are you going to find that money? So as my wife is using my savings card, and we're buying this dress, all I can think of is, I must love my daughter very much. We're getting her an 8,000 rands dress, and she doesn't have a date yet. So I'm praying for that. 
One day she's going to come home with some clown that wants to marry her. You know, I, I'm like Caleb, man. I need somebody who's worthy. Go and take a city. Then you can show me that you're worthy to take my... You know, I've got a plan. This guy comes to the house. I'm going to be nice, best behavior. Well, when my wife and daughter are out of the room, I'm going to take him aside and I'm going to say, Look, pal, if I find my daughter in tears, I want you to remember one thing. I got no problem getting deported. Hashtag just saying. Here's what it says. In Joshua chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Caleb said, whoever takes Kiriath safer and captures it, to him I will give Aksa, my daughter, his wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it, and he gave him Aksa as his daughter, his wife. But here's the thing. The reason this is retold in the book of Judges is this. Othniel becomes Israel's first judge. In the book of Judges, Joshua, Caleb, the elders all die. And now we find Israel starts to backslide a little bit. And the Canaanites rise up and start to oppress them. And when that happens, guess what? Dun, 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 dun. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz. That's our Othniel. Either he's the same person as Jabez, or Jabez is sort of, you know, in the same contemporary time as him. But let's, let's suggest, at least, that he's only a contemporary. It will make a difference. Because we need to also ask this question. Why is the Jabez prayer in the Bible in the first place? To answer that, you need to understand one thing. It's not in the book of Joshua. It's not in the book of Judges. It's not in the book of 1st or 2nd Samuel, 1st or 2nd Kings. It's in the book of 1st Chronicles. See, in our Bible, we have 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, right? In that order. We see the Chronicles as a kind of a retelling of 1st, 2nd Samuel, and 1st, 2nd Kings. But in the Hebrew Bible... First and Second Chronicles are not with First and Second Kings. First and Second Chronicles come at the end of the Old Testament. They're not part. Of, see, the, the the Old Testament is divided into three sections: the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings are part of the Prophets. But First and Second Chronicles are part of the writings. Why? Because they were written later on by Ezra. Children of Israel sinned. They were sent into exile, 70 years in captivity. Then they come back into the land. And Ezra is a scribe. He includes this in the Chronicles to encourage the people of Judah returning from exile with a famous story of an ancestor from the tribe of Judah that they can remember something, that they can do something that Jabez does. And I want you to keep that in mind as we proceed from here. Because here's how it goes. 
His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. For those of you who never had a child, I can tell you, childbirth is very painful. My hand will never be the same. I still can't play piano with this hand because of, you know, that. Carol Carol Burnett once described labor pains. She said, take your bottom lip and pull it over your head. So it's painful. Let's... See, by the way, it says, his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. The name Jabez does not mean pain, but it sounds similar to the word pain. Atzab is pain. Ya'abetz is Jabez. I don't want to get into the Hebrew there, but it's, it's a tricky wordplay. At any rate, here's the bottom line of that. Oops. Go back. His life was associated with pain. His life was associated with pain. His name reminded everyone of the pain. Now, it's not just like he had Vorsi's mother. Oh, the pain, the pain. I know, I saw Fet cook filets too. It was an instrument, Baba Javier. But the deal is this. Maybe it was just painful circumstances. Who knows? Maybe her husband died at the same time that he was born. All we know is is that his name signified a painful time, and it seemed like he just was one of those guys that had unluckiness attached to him. What is it that you define yourself by? Do you define yourself by the pain in your life? I'm the one that was divorced. I'm the one that went through this sickness. I'm the one that went through cancer. I'm the one that went through the, the, you know, car accident. Whatever the thing is. That we, we, we see ourselves as just surrounded by pain and feeling like, you know, life is pain and then you die. I wish I had never been born. If you have cursed the day of your birth, because you felt like, is this what I was born for? All this pain, pain, pain. There's got to be more than this. Jabez had this light bulb moment when he realized, I was born for more than just a painful life. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. There's again a wordplay in Hebrew. Jabez, his mother called his name Jabez. Jabez called on the God of Israel. It doesn't say he called on God. It says he called on the God of Israel. Why is that important? Because of this. The God of Israel is a covenant name for God associated with deliverance and conquest. He didn't just call on God. The the text makes it clear. He called on the God of Israel. Here's just one example. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 42, And Joshua captured all these kings and their land at, at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. 
So when he calls on the God of Israel, he's calling on a warrior God. He's calling on a covenant God. He's calling on a God that should answer prayer. He's calling on a God that's not just his God, not just his family, but something for everybody. And here's the point. You are part of a covenant people too. A covenant that goes back to Abraham, by the way. Do you know this? Contrary to almost every sermon you've ever heard at Pentecost, that the day of Pentecost is the birthplace of the church, I want you to know the ancient church didn't see it that way. The early church thought that the church started with Abraham. And they were just a continuation. That there was a before Christ church of believers, people of faith. And that they were of the stock of Abraham by faith. And here's how it goes. When he says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, something that I find almost no commentary on the Jabez prayer ever talks about is that he is making a reference to the covenant of Abraham. Jabez is standing on the covenant God made with Abraham. And this comes out very clearly in the Hebrew text. I want you to know this. In Genesis 22, God calls on Abraham to take Isaac. Remember that kid that he waited 25 years for? In faith, he waited for a miracle child 25 years, and God gave it to him. And then after the child has grown, remember, J Abraham's over 100 years old now. God says, take the lad to the mountain, tie him up, and then sacrifice him and burn up the body. Which Abraham proceeds to obey in faith, and God stops his arm from killing him. And this is what he says. Genesis twenty-two seventeen, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Where it says, I will surely bless you. In Hebrew, there's a, there's a double whammy with the verb there. With blessing, I will bless you. And when, when in the Jabez prayer, he says, oh, that you would bless me, what it says, with blessing, may you bless me. That, that construction is, is unique. And it's an obvious allusion to Genesis 22, where it says, I will multiply your offspring. What it says is, I will increase your offspring. And that's the same word that's used in the Jabez prayer, increase my borders, enlarge my borders. So the words that are used there are an obvious allusion that he's praying to the God of Israel, he's praying to the covenant God, and he's standing on the, prominent, the, the promises that God gave to Abraham, to him and to his offspring that they would possess the gates of their enemies. And he's like, it's not just that he wants more land. He's got enemies. He's got people that are trying to oppress them. The Canaanites have risen up, and they need deliverance. And Jabez says, God, remember, he achieves more honor than his brothers, not more land than his brothers, not more riches than his brothers, more glory. Because he does something that is supposed to make him an example to each one of us. Ezra wants us to know as those who have returned from pain, coming out of the place of pain into the promised land again to rebuild our lives, 
Remember what Jabez did and how he achieved honor. And you can do this too. And I'm saying to you, if you have come from a place of pain, personal pain, disappointment, rejection, I've got news for you. This is your time. I've mentioned it in this church before. 2017, God gave me a word. He gave me Luke 2017. Luke 2017, Jesus says, the stone that the builders rejected is now the cornerstone. 2017 is the year it all changes. If you were the rejected one, if you are the passed over one, if you are the discarded one, God is saying it's your time. Your time to be chosen. Your time to be put in place. Your time to be used. Your time to be embraced. No longer the person that signifies pain, but the person that signifies the covenant of God. The one that stands on the word. Jabez is standing on the word that God gave to Abraham. Remember this, as far as Jabez is concerned, Abraham is ancient history to him too. Abraham is 400 years and more before him. And he said, okay, Lord, we're your people. You made the covenant. You meant what you said. You said what you meant. I'm standing on this. And I'm saying to you, that covenant belongs to you and me. And there are, and here's the point. I find so many of us know what the promises of God are, and we feel that they are true for everyone except us. Somehow you've been excluded from the promises. Yeah, yeah, I know that God heals, but he doesn't heal me. Yeah, I know God speaks, but he never speaks to me. Because I've been in all these meetings, you know, and they prophesied to everybody except for me. I'm the loser. And I'm here to tell you something. Be a Jabez. Say no. Call on the God of Israel. Lay hold on him. And don't let go. Saying, bless me. And with blessing, may you bless me. And enlarge my borders. God wants increase in your life. He wants promotion in your life. Not just for your own personal agenda, but for his glory, for his kingdom. It says that your hand might be with me. What would it mean if God's hand was with you? How big is God's hand? Have you ever thought about that? First of all, you would think that God's hand would mean protection. It would mean guidance. It would mean power. God's hand with you almost guarantees success, doesn't it? That what you put yourself towards, God's going to bless it. Because his hand is with you. That's what we want. That extra hand from God. That hand of help. That hand of a loving father that wants to give. A giving hand. Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. I could have used any other verse, but I just, I love this one. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I love that, that interesting imagery. 
the people of his pasture. You know people don't belong in a pasture. The sheep of his hand. And you just see us being in the hand of God. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. But he's greater than that. He holds it all in his hand. That your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. What it literally says is this. May you make away from evil to not pain. And so the translator has to try to figure out what is he trying to say by this. Hebrew has a wonderful way to say keep me from harm, keep me from evil. But it doesn't use that word. It says make me, or it doesn't even say me, may you make from pain. And this is it's unclear what is exactly that he's saying, but somehow we want God to do something. That God's hand is involved, and God uses his hand to make stuff. And I'm going to read into this that we ask God to make us from pain, meaning away from pain. The word from there is used where in the beginning where it says he was more honorable than his brother. It says he was from his brother's honorable. So that there's this distance, this separation from the brothers, a separation from the evil. That God makes you someone that is separated from evil. And I want you to understand something. Evil comes in three packages. Number one, supernatural evil. The devil, demons, curses, all that kind of stuff. I want God to keep that away from me. I want there to be a border. I want there to be a cocoon of God's grace around me that I'm protected from that. But there's evils in this world. Famine, war, poverty, sickness, crime. And I don't think there's any one of us that has not in some way been affected by the South African crime situation. I've had seven cars stolen. I've had numerous break-ins. I can't tell you how many. One time, somebody stole 200 rands worth of stuff from my garage, but the repair to the garage co cost me 20,000 rands. I would have paid them to not break in. I've been hijacked twice, once at gunpoint, once at knife point. I've had my house burned down. I've lost a child. I, I, I've, had, I've been retrenched. I've had the South African experience. But I'm here to tell you something. God is with me. Doesn't mean that I've never experienced bad things. What I'm saying is this. There's three ways for you to face a fire. There's a fire in front of you, okay? A... God can put out the fire. We like that. Or even B, God can remove you from the fire. Cool. Or third choice, God can walk with you through the fire. The one thing that is unacceptable is that you are burned by the fire. Have you ever seen somebody who was burned by the fire and you could still smell the fire on them years later? The fear of of that traumatic situation. 
left its mark. So they never again want to go there. They never again want to do that. They never got back on that horse that bucked them off. And some of you are carrying around something that God has wanted to heal. Some of you are away from relationships because you've been hurt in relationships. You say, I don't ever want that again. And so the way to keep me from having any pain is not to be in any relationship. Brilliance. No, it's not. It's stupid. Because God says it's not good for man to be alone. God wants us to have relationships. And here, here, here's the, the thing. God wants us not to protect our hearts by hardening our hearts. He wants you to still have a heart that's so soft you can get holes poked in it. He just wants you to know who the healer is. He wants you to be healed in your heart. He wants to keep you from this evil. He wants to make you free from the evil so that you don't have pain or cause pain. And this is the bottom line. God granted what he asked. God granted what he asked. What it literally says is, God caused what he asked to come. It's like he prays this and God releases the answer. Here, boy, here, boy. Come here, come here. That's what I want God's goodness and his blessing to be licking me in the face like an like a excited dog. You know, this is what it says in the 23rd Psalms. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. What it says is pursue me. Overtake you. Jump on you. I want to be free from pain, and I want my life not to cause pain. I've got a new goal. I was just talking to Andre earlier, and I've got a new goal in my life. Somebody challenged me the other day about, about our prophetic school. And she said, you know, I think that the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I see all these Christians, and they're chasing after the supernatural. They're chasing after the power of God. They want prophecy. They want healing. You know, but if you had a school for the fruit of the Spirit, nobody would come. Mm -hmm. And I might add that this person is a little bit lacking in the fruit of the Spirit themselves. But anyway. So I said, well, okay, let me, let's look at that statement for a second. I said, what if I had a prophetic school or a a school for the gifts of the Spirit? All right. And if you come to that school, I say, you know, you're not prophesying enough. You're not healing enough. You're not giving enough words of knowledge. You're not giving enough words of wisdom. What do you think would happen? People would stop coming. The reason they come to the prophetic school, the reason they come to the healing school is because in coming, they receive something and they leave empowered, impacted, that something has been released in their lives. I said, if I had a school for the the fruit of the Spirit, and I said to people, if you come to my school for the fruit of the Spirit, you are going to receive a love that just overwhelms you. You're going to feel it. You're going to receive joy like you've never experienced before. And you're going to be able to give out that love, give out that joy, give out that peace, to people around you. What do you think would happen? 
people would come to that school. Satisfied that I put her in her place, I turned away. And the Holy Spirit said to me, why don't you? First of all, I want you to be that guy that is so full of love, so full of joy, so full of peace that when you walk in the room, the atmosphere just changes. And people feel that love coming off you like radiation. So that when you have a school for the fruit of the Spirit, you have something to impart to people because it's just so alive in you. Prophecy is alive in me. Love isn't always. In our prophetic school in Brumaria, Thursday night was outreach night. We went to the malls to give people prophetic word out there in the main thoroughfares of life. Cool, man, I'm ready for this. And I went to Menland, Maine. Right. In the main, watch out. Here I come with prophecy. And I'm passing by the Starbucks. So I went in. I don't know if you've ever been to Starbucks. When you order a drink there, they want to know your name. So I'm feeling really prophetic. So I said, the prophet Jeremiah. See, I can't say Chuck, because if I say Chuck, then they always misspell. They always make it Jack or you know, Jacques or something like that. So I just make up a name. So I, the prophet Jeremiah. So he, he just smiles and puts the prophet Jeremiah on the cup, makes it, and the Lord gives me a prophetic word for him. And I give it to him, and he's just blown away, and I pray with him, feeling pretty good about it. And I went home, and I told my wife about it. The power of God there. Yes, sir. And she said, um, who was with you? I said, no, there were these two ladies with me. She said, did you buy them something at Starbucks? I'm sure I must have offered. But you didn't buy them anything. Well, no. But I mean, didn't you hear about the, the barista that I gave the word? So, so you're saying you went there with these other two people beside you and you just bought something for yourself? Put it like that, it sounds like I was unloving or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've also had 23 years of marriage, too. But hear me now. I'm believing God to enlarge my borders. That I become a greater love person, a greater prayer person a greater joy person, a person where the fruit of the Spirit is so great because the presence of the Spirit is so great. See, it doesn't happen in the flesh. You can't stir up your, your, your flesh to love to the degree that the Holy Spirit can. As I'm preaching, I'm just trying to, to show you my own journey here, but I, I really want to expect in you that the Holy Spirit is saying something as I'm speaking. And that you're feeling something developing that you know that God's plan for your life includes going up to the next level. 
that it's time to increase. It's time to go forward. It's time to, to, to get off that couch. It's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop blaming the pain of the past. And remember that you have a covenant God. Remember that he wants to bless. Remember that he gave a promise to Abraham. And for Abraham's sake, that promise is still in, vo in force. And we can invoke it. And say, God wants me to be blessed. And he wants through me to bless others. He wants the gates of your enemies to be crushed. I'm saying this. The church needs to break out. Remembrance covenant. The church of Jesus Christ has a covenant God that wants to bless us, wants to enable us, wants us to go higher and farther. I want my life's impact to be supernaturally enhanced. One time I was asked to go on an outreach to Uganda, and I really wanted to go real excited about it. And my wife said, no, 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 we can't do this because, Chuck, logistically, I need you here because of the kids in school and so on. And I knew she was right. And with a heavy heart, I had to say to them, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't join the outreach. And I felt really kind of bad about it. That same day, a young woman from the church came to me and said, Pastor Chuck, the Lord gave me a vision of you. And I saw you outside of the church. And it's like you wanted to go out and... You just couldn't, and so you hung your head, and you went inside the church sad. But in the church, you rang a bell, and the sound of the bell went out farther than you would have gone if you had gone out. And I knew that God was saying to me, the impact of your life doesn't depend on you being there. I, by my spirit, can take your voice and bring it to people, teachings, Blessings, prayers. And I'm amazed how I get sometimes people on Facebook connect to me saying, a friend of a friend of a friend gave me one of your CDs. And it really helped me and, and blessed me and so on. And it's like, how did my voice get all the way to Hong Kong? So I want you to understand it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says it. I want you to understand that God wants to bless you and enlarge your borders. He wants his hand to be with you. And that evil is cut off from you and cut out from you. I said there was three ways to have evil. The first is the supernatural evil. The second is the, the evils of this world. But the third is that there's evil inside of us. Bitterness anger, depression, things that God wants to uproot and cast out. And some of you have been waiting for that healing on the inside, to be free from the thing that just you know is not godly, you know it's not right, but you don't know how to get rid, rid of it. You don't know how to be free. It's only the grace of God. Let the Spirit do that surgery. And allow that blessing of Jabez to mean that you are free.
that you are free. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to bless you. I'm just going to let this be the, the, the end of the church service as well. As I bless you, when, when we're done, feel free to, 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 to be dismissed. If you need more ministry, I'm here, others are here. But this is not just a closing prayer. This is a blessing that is here to transfer something to you from God. And I'm interested that you find something that hasn't happened before starting to happen. Something you haven't felt before starting to, to, to rise up. That hurt, that issue, that pain becomes a non-issue. It becomes nothing that you find in your life anymore. I'm here to say that the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit for that deliverance, for that blessing, for that impartation is here now. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with God's grace, 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 grace to come upon you for the healing that you need. That you find physically, mentally, emotionally, in every way, blessed by God. With blessing, you are blessed now by the God of Israel the holy God of heaven, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you to be free. I bless you to receive love, a love impartation now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I bless you that the Spirit of God rises up inside of you. Bursting the chains, breaking the bonds, transforming you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name.